Praise the Lord. Amen. It's great to have you in church this morning. Um, if this is your first time, you're especially welcome. Um, we are a church with a vision and a mission. Uh, our vision is to empower all the family. Uh, to empower all the family. So whenever you come to High Life, expect to be empowered. Amen. We're here to empower the family to explore, experience, express, and exhibit the high life of God with joy. Uh, there is a high life. Jesus said, I've come to give you life abundantly. It is the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So high life is all about living the life of Christ and uh, dominating in Christ. Amen. The Bible says that whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So God has created us to be overcomers. Uh, everyone say, I'm an overcomer. Uh, or say, I'm created to be an overcomer. Yeah, uh, uh, so if you are not overcoming at the moment, then there is some uh, information you need to have uh, because you are destined to overcome. You know, last week we looked at this verse of scripture in um, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 10. It says, if the axe is dull uh, and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. If the axe is dull. So you have an axe in your hand, but if it is dull, then you need to exert more strength. But um, uh, the Bible says that wisdom brings success. Everyone say wisdom brings success. So if we're not overcoming at the moment, we need some wisdom, do we not? All right, we need to add wisdom to our endeavor uh, or our endeavors and uh, we are guaranteed to overcome. Well, well, let us pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful uh, because we are your people. And uh, as a result of that, we have union with you. Uh, what a joy that um, we are in union with the Father of Spirits. Hallelujah. What a joy that we have access into your very presence. So, Father, this morning, uh, we stand uh, on earth, but we stand full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Holy Spirit, you are our teacher. You are our guide. We ask you to come this morning as the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Open our eyes to see. Open our ears to hear. Help us comprehend that which we haven't comprehended up till this point. That we may be elevated into our place of sonship. Even the place that you have predestined for us before the foundation of the world. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. Because your thoughts towards us are thoughts of peace and not of evil to give us a hope and a future. We give you thanks for your help this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to continue our series. Uh, we've been talking about grace. And uh, we've been talking about um, what game are you playing. Uh, this has been a series that has gone on for a few months now. Uh, and I'd like to encourage you to get the material. Okay, because the material will change your life. Hallelujah. I can guarantee that because it's the word of God. Uh, and the Bible says that the word will not return to him void. But it will accomplish that which he pleases and prosper in the thing whereto he has sent it. So if only we will allow the word of God to come into our hearts, it will accomplish. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Isaiah 55 that my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways, that the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts and my ways higher than your thoughts and, my, and your ways. But then he goes on and says that as the rain comes down, everyone say the rain is coming. Even though his thoughts are higher than our thoughts 
and his ways are higher than our ways. There is something that is a bridge between the heavens and the earth. It says that as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there, but waters the earth and causes it to bring forth and bud, so is my word. Everyone say the word of God is like rain from heaven. It doesn't matter how parched your ground is. Yeah? If you allow the rain to fall on the ground of your heart, your heart will bring forth. Hallelujah. Uh, so you need to allow the word to come in. You need to allow the word to come in. You know, sometimes we need to get sick and tired of being sick and tired and get to a point where we are willing to listen to information from somebody who is more successful than we are. Hallelujah. Uh, how many of you would uh, agree that the Lord is more successful than you are? Yeah? So, so when he speaks to you, you need to pay attention. You may have been doing stuff the same way for 50 years, but what you've been doing for 50 years has led you where you are. If you're not happy with where you are, if you want to go to the next level, then you need to be willing to listen. Hallelujah. Jesus kept saying, oh, that you would listen. Mark 4, 24, he said, take heed what you hear and how you hear. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear is the measure of virtue and power you will get from the word. Hallelujah. Take heed. Pay attention to the right thing. Hallelujah. The Bible says, attend to my words, incline your ears to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. You need to pay attention. Say, say to your neighbor, pay attention. Say to the other neighbor, don't struggle with the word. You know, sometimes, you know, the word is profitable for, for teaching. It is profitable for correction as well. Yeah. But, but sometimes we don't like to be corrected. So, so when something is coming forth that serves as a correction and, and shows you that you've been doing the wrong thing, sometimes we resist it. But you know, God's thoughts towards us are thoughts of good and not evil. To exalt us, to put us in a place of prominence and glory. Hallelujah. So the correction is coming for your instruction. Amen. So this morning, we're going to start with 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. We're going to continue where we left off last week, and we'll see how the Lord helps us this morning, and where we will, how far we'll be able to go. As you know, the part of this series is focusing really on economic wealth. We have defined wealth in previous series, or previous sessions, but we've been talking about economic wealth. Everyone say economic wealth. You know, in 3 John uh, uh, verse 2, uh, John says that it is my desire that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. God's desire is that we prosper and we be in health. Hallelujah. But, but he says that your level of prosperity is directly proportional to how your soul is prospering. Because what you don't know will affect you. Hallelujah. What you don't know will affect you. So when God wants to expand you, the first thing he does is he brings more revelation, more insight. Hallelujah. Now last week we ended on the thought that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God operates an investment economy. Everyone see an investment economy. The kingdom of God operates an investment economy with a multiplier effect. And we see this in 
2 Corinthians 9 verse 10. We see it in a lot of verses, but this is yet another verse that confirms this. 2 Corinthians 9 10 says, Now may he who supplies what? Seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. You know, when we study the word, we understand God's way of operation. And we see all through scripture that the Lord operates and the whole kingdom operates on the principle of the seed. Yeah, You know it is said in business circles that um, if you give a man a fish, you will feed him for a day. But if you teach him to fish, you will feed him for what? A lifetime. Now, now, how many of you know that uh, there are times when, you know, if somebody is dying, you give them a fish, right? But, but you know that the, the, the way of operating is to teach a person to fish, okay? So the Lord can give you bread for food, but, but when we study the word, we see that the kingdom operation is to give seed to the sower. Hallelujah. Do you know why seed is better than bread? Why is seed better than bread? It reproduces, does it not? Bread you eat today, you are full and you need it tomorrow. But seed reproduces. Hallelujah. And all through the word, from Genesis to Revelation, time and time and time again, the Bible keeps saying the kingdom of God is like a man plants seed in the ground. Hallelujah. In the beginning, he said, be fruitful, which means that there are some seeds in there somewhere. Hallelujah. So this verse says, he supplies seed to the sower. Hallelujah. And then that seed he has supplied, if you plant it, he will multiply that seed. So that means that the kingdom of God operates an investment economy. Because you need to take your seed and plant it or invest it. You, you don't get the fruit the next day. Yeah? But, but if you will invest that seed, it will multiply. Everyone say it will multiply. Say it again, it will multiply. So that means that if you and I have seeds, we need to learn how to invest these seeds because the secret to our wealth is the proper investment of the seeds we have been given. We don't need to look for seed. God always gives us seed. Hallelujah. So you already have seed right now. But your wealth is directly linked to the accurate appraisal of the seed you have and the right investment of it. Everyone say investment. Now, now from time to time, the Lord will give you bread for food. You, you know, David said it, didn't he? He said, I've never seen the righteous what forsaken, nor his seed beg for what? Beg for bread. Beg for bread. Now, 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 by the time we are getting to the level where we are about to beg for bread, the Lord will make sure we have some bread. Shall I? But, but that does not mean that that is the way he wants you to operate. Are, are you with me? There is a seed that must be invested. And just like every plant has seeds in itself, so do you. Hallelujah. Your wealth. Your wealth. 
is directly proportional to the appraisal of the seed you have and the wisdom incorrectly invests in it. And that's old ground that we have already covered. Let's move forward. So if we are thinking investment, the greatest resource that you have at your disposal is your time. The greatest, everyone say the greatest. The greatest resource that God has given you as a seed that you are meant to invest, the greatest resource you have is your time. Hallelujah. It is your time. Because money can be lost and made back. But once time is lost, it can never be recovered. We all have the same amount of time when we wake up in the morning. We have 20, 24 hours, 8,440 minutes, 86,400 seconds. Have you ever wondered how some people can achieve so much in the same amount of time that you and I have? They don't have two heads. They don't have more time. They have the same amount of time, but yet, when you get to the end of somebody's day, you see that one person has achieved so much and the other hasn't achieved much. That is because one person spends their time and the other person invests it. You see, a person that invests their time has come into a kingdom um, operational paradigm. Does that make sense? They understand that everything in the kingdom operates an investment economy. So while one spends it, the other one what? Invests it. So the one that spends it will eat the fruit of their time or, or the bread of their time at the end of the day. But the one that invests this is doing things that will continue to produce for him or for her. So the first resource and the most important resource you have is what? your time. Your wealth at the end of your life is determined by how you have invested your time. That is one of the variables. Hallelujah. And you choose how you invest your time. You make that decision. Nobody else would make that decision for you. You make it. Hallelujah. You know, Henry Ford said, it has been my observation that most people get ahead during the time that others waste. Is it? I've observed this about humanity. That most people get ahead during the same time that others are wasting. Now it's not that the others couldn't get ahead, but they wasted it while this guy was moving ahead by investing it. You know, there are five things you need to invest your time in to create wealth. There are five things. I want to say five things that you must invest your time in. Now, this, this is, uh, you know, the Bible says that as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest time, cold and, and heat, summer and winter will not what? Will not cease. So this is universal. Doesn't matter if you are a Christian or Muslim, white or black, it's universal. There are five things that you must invest your time in. We're talking about creating wealth. Number one, you need to invest in yourself. Everyone say myself. You need to invest in yourself. 
You need to invest in your health. The quality activities that enrich your life. You know, the Bible says that exercise, a bodily exercise profited what? Little, but godliness is profitable in all things. Bodily exercise profits little, 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 little. But, but you know that little that comes from bodily exercise, if you don't get the profit of it, it will affect your wealth, your diet, your exercise routine, your health. A lot of men ignore their health because allegedly we're working hard. Well, if you ignore your health because you are working hard, um, you would find over time that the effect of your your uh, improper lifestyle will compound and it would affect your very ability to create wealth. You must invest in yourself. And I keep using the word invest because it is not just what you do now. As you are doing it, it is compounding. Everyone say compounding. We, we don't have time to talk about compound interest today, but there's a multiplier effect. Every time you invest in, your, in yourself and in your health, you are planting a seed that is multiplying. Hallelujah. You go walking. You have a healthy diet. You have an annual physical. All right? There was a time I went to the doctor. I was having some symptoms. And um, I went to the doctor. And, and she said, she, said um, she checked my blood pressure. This was a few years ago. And she said, sir, your, your blood pressure is really high. I said, really? She said, yeah. She said, in fact, if it gets any higher, we'll have to put you on medication. I said, really? She said, yes. She said, high blood pressure doesn't just fall on people. It happens over time. Over time, by ignoring certain fundamental things that you can change. You can change how often you walk and run. You can change uh, your exercise routine. You can change what you eat. You can actually change it, but, but if you don't do that, over time, you'll get to a point where you have hypertension and you have things like diabetes. So I said, okay, I'm smart enough to know I should do things that are in my own best interests. And you know, in a couple of months after that uh, visit to the doctor, I went back and she said, oh, your blood pressure is fine. And my blood pressure has been fine ever since. Hallelujah. I am fitter than I ever was. Uh, I exercise. I look after myself. I watch what I eat. I watch the time when I eat. You can do the same. If you want to build your wealth, number one, you must invest your time in yourself. Okay? Number two, you must invest in your learning. You must invest in your what? In your learning. In your learning. You must invest in your learning. It was Napoleon Hill, like I said last week, that said that the learners will inherit the earth. But the learned will find, will find themselves prepared for a world that does not exist. You know, learning is present what? Continuous. Not the learned. Oh, haven't you seen my degrees? I am a learned person. No. You must invest in your what? In your learning. In your learning. Okay? You must become an expert in your craft. You must understand the strategies and the habits and the mindset of the wealthy. You must invest your time in expanding your knowledge about your life, about your industry, and about yourself. You must invest in your learning. 
Hallelujah. I'll come back to that a bit later on. That's number two. Number three, you must invest in your network. Everyone say your network. You must invest in a network of friends, of peers, and of contacts. The time you invest looking after your network will return to you with interest. Hallelujah. And later on, I'm going to be looking at the fact that, you know, God has not called you to operate in a vacuum. Do you know, even the Bible says that the body of Christ, it says we are the body of Christ and members in what? In particular. Everybody uh, that is born again is not an independent Christian, even though some of us live like we are independent. All right? When you get born again, the Bible says that the Spirit of God takes you and plants you into the body of Christ. That means you become a body part. Everyone say a body part. That means that your identity is only leveraged in the context of community. Does that make sense? Everybody is not, there's nobody that is the whole body of Christ. You might be a finger, you might be an eyelid, you might be a thumb, you are a part. For the body to move, we all need each other. Does that make sense? In like manner, there is nobody that will create wealth on their own. Hallelujah. You need a network. Everyone say, I need a network. Now, now, we'll talk about that later on. You need a network. A network of friends. A network of peers. A network of contacts. A network that is complementary to yourself. Hallelujah. Because irrespective of how talented you are, your talent by definition has a limitation to it. Are you with me? Because it doesn't matter how great my hands are, the fact that they are great hands also tells me that they can't walk. Are you with me? Every talent inherent in itself is a limitation. And God has organized the body and the business system to work this way that you need other people to really explode and create the wealth God wants you to create. Hallelujah. Number one, you must... Um, Invest in yourself. Number two, you must invest in your learning. Number three, you must invest in your network. Number four, you must invest in your family. Everyone say invest in your family. You see, we're talking about wisdom. With wisdom, we will succeed. Hallelujah. With wisdom, we will succeed. You must invest in your family. Time with your children. Framing their world. You know Solomon made a statement in Ecclesiastes. He said, you know, what's the whole point of working and creating all this wealth? Because who knows, a fool might be the one that inherits the wealth and he squanders in a short period of time what I have spent a lifetime to build. Yeah? Now, now it is not wisdom to build wealth and then transfer it to fools. So that means that in your building wealth, that will impact eternity, it is important to invest in your family. There's one great book I read um, titled, um, It All Goes Back in the Box. When it's all over, it all goes back in the what? In the box. And he used this illustration from the game of Monopoly. How many of you play Monopoly? Okay. And you know how exciting Monopoly can be. Many friendships have been broken over the game of Monopoly. 
Because you go into the game as friends and it's like, you know, let's sit down and, you know, invite some friends over. And then at the end of the game, you know, especially if you have people like Oswald and Jimmy are playing with you, it's now a big fight. You understand? Because it's now about who can, you know, who can get all the properties, who can build all the hotels, and there's no respect for pastor and friend. Because, you know, they'll say, I'm sorry, sir, you're bankrupt. Yeah? And, you know, it's, it's, it's about who gets to the end quickest with all the property. And it doesn't matter how many people you run bankrupt en route. But do you know that after the game, something always happens. We clear everything out and we put everything in the box and we ship it away. And one of the things he said in his book was that most people at the end of their lives, there was a survey that was conducted um, with people on their deathbeds. And he said it's interesting that the only thing that they ever said at their deathbed, the only regrets, and this is rich and poor alike, the only regrets that people ever have at their deathbed is regret that they did not spend enough time with their family. That they did not, they did not take more risks. They did not love more. Hallelujah. Investing in your family. Investing in your family. Investing in your family is a wise investment. Hallelujah. And then number five, you need to invest in your investments. Mm-hmm. You need to invest time in your what? Oh, say it again. You need to invest time in your what? In your investments. Now, I'm not saying that everybody should be trading the stock market and investing funds. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that everybody that wants to build wealth must invest their time in choosing the right vehicles for investing cash. It might be spend enough time researching where is, who are the best people that know how to invest money? Are you with me? And it is not difficult. You can go online. Which companies in Nigeria have won awards for being the best money managers? It will take you two minutes and it will pop up. You will see their names. Oh, this one won it. This one won it. This one won it. And all you need to do is you need to go and say, okay, if I have some money, how much, you know, and you sit with them and they will explain to you. So you need to invest your time in what? In your investments because everybody must have investments. Are you with me? One of the worst things that you can do is to take money that you have and, and then you now become your invest, the investor. Because you might have skills in IT, but those skills do not necessarily translate into investments. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Some people have lost fortunes by you know, assuming that they can do all things. You can only do all things that the Lord sends you to do through Christ who strengthens you. (laughs) Hallelujah. So five things we must invest in. The resource that we all have is our time. The kingdom operates an investment economy. Everything we do and get involved in in the kingdom has a multiplier effect, not an exchange one. Hallelujah. And the very first thing that the kingdom has given us. You know, in the beginning, the Bible says God created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light. He created time. Hallelujah. The very first thing that the kingdom gave us was time. And time must be invested. If you are spending your time and praying that God will bless you, you are contravening a law of the kingdom. Because in the kingdom, time is to be invested. 
Hallelujah. Time is to be invested. Time is to be invested. I can look at your day. I can look at what you're spending your time on. And I can tell you where you're going to end up. Ecclesiastes says, if a tree falls to the north or it falls to the south, wherever it lies is where it will be. Hallelujah. In Ecclesiastes 12. He says, if you see a tree falling in a particular direction, guess where it's going to end up? Where it will be. Hallelujah. I can always tell where somebody's going to end up by how they are spending their time. Forget about the big deal, about the big contract. If you're not investing your time today, you'll never get it. Okay, there are no amens in the house on that one. Because we are breaking a kingdom rule. But let's move on. An investment economy. An investment economy. Now, now look at Proverbs 12, 11. We've spent a lot of time on Proverbs 12, 11. But, but the great thing with the wisdom of God is that the more you keep looking at something, the, the more the Lord keeps giving you light on it. Proverbs 12, 11 says, He who works his land will have abundant food. But he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. That's the NIV version. He who works his land will have abundant food. So it's about land again. It's about investment. He who finds his land and works it. And we have said that wealth, the wealth equation equals value times leverage. Everyone say value times leverage. Oh, come on, say it again. Value times leverage. Okay, wealth equals finding your land and working it. Wealth equals value times leverage. Or if you look at a river, you could say it is equal to uh, depth times width. Okay? Value times leverage. Value times leverage. So, so Solomon is instructing us that in economic wealth, now, now you know we've said that wealth is permanent. It's like a permanent thing while money uh, is what? Temporary. Yeah, it's like a river. Money is like the water flowing, but wealth is the river, okay? Um, so, um, wealth equals value times leverage. Value times leverage. Value times leverage. Now, let us look at this with an investment mindset. Wealth equals value times leverage. If I, I find my place of value and I bring it to prominence and leverage it effectively, I will, I will build wealth. I will build wealth, not just have money. I will build what? Wealth. Now, if you look at a river, you know that every river flows from high ground to low ground. Is that not the case? Yeah? The reason why a river flows is because it's moving from a place of high ground to low ground. There's always some kind of height differential. Yeah? It is the same with money. Money flows from high value to low value. The whole basis of money flow is value exchange. Everyone say value exchange. Or say it again, value exchange. High value to low value. Rivers flow high to low. The reason why there's a flow is because there is a value exchange. Hallelujah. There is a what? A value exchange. So that means that the more I increase my value, the more attraction I will generate and the more money will flow in my direction. Hallelujah. That, that is fundamental, is it not? The more I increase my value, so I know what my gifting is, and I have valued it correctly, the more I increase that value, the more attraction I generate, and the more money flows in my direction. Are you with me? Okay. I go back to Ecclesiastes 10. It says, wisdom is profitable to direct. We need to add wisdom to our endeavors. Uh, God forgive us 
that in Christianity, or in some places, we no longer search for wisdom. We just want divine providence. Meanwhile, God builds the earth with wisdom. Hallelujah. Our wisdom must increase if we're going to walk with God. In fact, let me put it another way. When you walk with God, your wisdom will increase. Hallelujah. Because one of the very first things he said to Joshua was, Joshua, you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. You will make your way prosperous. But in order to make your way prosperous and have good success, meditate in my word. In other words, hang out with me. Understand how I do what I do. And when you do what I do, you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. It is a value exchange that causes money to flow. There isn't a scarcity of resources. As we said a few weeks ago, in Nigeria, even in, in, in spite of our challenges over the last few years, every second, six million naira moves. Six million, every second. If you look at the GDP of our country, and you work it out, six million naira is being generated and exchanged every single second. Hallelujah. Now, now, in order for some of those seconds to flow in your direction, the flow is determined by a value exchange. Hallelujah. It's a value exchange. A height differential that you create that causes it to flow in your direction. So let me say two things about that. If your love for children, so you've identified that you have a love for children, and you believe that is a God-given gift. So you want to get into a career where you can love children. It's good to love children, is it not? Now, even though all of us say we love children, some of us don't really. I, I, even as a pastor, you know, I've got to uh, put on my pastoral mo mode sometimes. Because every child that is brought to you is like, wow, what a beautiful child. Go to a hospital, wow. The child is crying, ah, oh, what a sweet child. Even though you might not necessarily think that way. Oh man, I've just dashed some people's impressions. If your love for children drives you to become a pediatrician rather than a daycare center worker, you are going to generate more money flow in your direction. There is nothing wrong in being a worker in a daycare center. Okay? But if that is where you decide that you are going to be, because you love children, the flow of cash, the flow of money in your direction will be less than the person who says, you know, I love children, so I am going to be a doctor for children. Does that make sense? By your choice, you have determined how much money is going to flow in your direction because money flow is determined by a value exchange. The higher the value you are offering, the more resources will flow in your direction. And that is a decision you can make. Hallelujah. You know, one of my friends um, graduated from the you know, University of Benin. He studied dentistry. And he, his heart was always to be a medical doctor, but he decided, I think it was like a jam score thing. He went into dentistry. And then, you know, medical careers are always, I mean, it takes time to graduate, you know. So it took him about seven years to do that, and then, they, you know, they do the house job and all this wonderful stuff, you know. 
So after that, he, you know, he, he moved to the, to the UK and, and, you know, he could start working as a dentist. But, you know, he felt, you know, I, I really wanted to be a doctor. Okay. So he decided to go and study medicine. I was like, okay, at this stage, you should be earning money. He decided to go and study medicine. And then after he finished his medical degree, he now decided to do maxillofacial surgery. So it's like, you know, plastic surgery, right? And it's such a specialist role that, you know, only a few people are in that space. Now, it took him a long time to get there. I mean, a lot of his friends had bought cars and houses and married wives, you know, at the time. But when he finished, the value exchange was so high that there was a, it was like investors were waiting for them to finish. There was a huge flow of funds in his direction based on value exchange. A few weeks ago, I read about a Nigerian man in the States. Uh, his name is Dr. Olurotimi Badero. He's the world's only heart and kidney specialist. He's the only world heart and kidney specialist. And when he was asked about that, why did you, uh, why did you go into, because it took him so long to get these specializations. And he was asked the question, why did you decide? He said, you know what? He did not even realize. It was after he had done all his graduation and all that, that somebody told him that he was the only one in the whole world that had specializations in these two areas. He said that as for him, and I'll quote what he said. He said, my journey was just the continuous process of trying to get better. Staying the course. And finding things that really define who I am and what I really want to do to make a difference in people's lives. Wow. He said it was all about just staying the course. You know, and focusing on getting better at making a difference. He said that as he began to study, he, his specialization was in heart, um, was in uh, heart specialization first, or kidney specialization. He, he realized that the blood that is pumped from the heart, 20% of that blood goes through the kidney. So anything that affects the heart affects the kidney. So in order to be able to deliver value as a kidney specialist, he wanted to specialize in the heart as well. Do you follow his train of thought? And at the end of the day, so he is now in a position where even amongst kidney specialists, he can offer more value. Hallelujah. He can offer more value because the blood that is coming into the kidney that could be the reason for kidney malfunction is coming for the, from the heart. So he's a specialist in the heart and a specialist in the kidney. Value exchange. Hallelujah. Value exchange. With the value exchange, you determine the money flow in your direction. It's a little bit like, um, you know, the CDs will be available so we can just listen to them over and over again, especially if... These are some new concepts to some. If you settle for doing what most people can do, you will generate less cash. Hallelujah. If you settle, if you say this one is enough, if you settle for doing what most people can do, you will generate less cash. Why? 
Because less money will flow in your direction. Why? Because more people can do it. Amen. Thank God for painters. Especially those who can paint in a straight line. Okay? But by the time we've weeded out all those who cannot print, uh, paint in a straight line, we still have a, a whole group of uh, painters. Now what I'm telling you is that there is something in you which when you express it properly will separate you. Hallelujah. It will separate you. If you settle, and I'm using the word settle because it is your decision to settle. If you settle for what most people can do, it will, you will generate less cash. Hallelujah. Favor creates the opportunity for you to demonstrate your uniqueness in the marketplace. If you do what everyone else can do and you're saying, God, give me favor, that is not what favor is for. Shandai. Yeah? So all of us can do the same thing, but Lord, just give me favor because you love me. Lord, give me favor. Give me favor. Well, the Lord gave Joseph favor. He created an opportunity for Joseph to demonstrate his uniqueness. Are you listening to me this morning? Yeah? He, he created an opportunity for what? A demonstration of uniqueness. If favor opens the door for you and you have nothing to deliver, God will not be glorified and you will be sacked from that job. Hallelujah. So it must be based on value exchange. That is what determines money flow. Interpreting the gifting and positioning it in a place where you can give the most value. And we can all do this. It's a decision we can all make. I'm still on number one. I mean, you've heard of a term called arbitrage. Arbitrage is a term in financial circles where you exploit price differences in different markets to make money. Yeah? Price differences in different markets to make money. Now, if I use that term generally, if your life is about exploring price differences and the ignorance of others, you are putting yourself in a place where your money flow would at best be temporary. Let me give you an example. A few years ago, you know, the whole POS system only started, I mean, within the last, in Nigeria, within the last seven years or so, or less than seven years. But when we started POS system, the whole POS systems and ATMs and stuff, you know, all the domiciliary account stuff also came up. So you had cards, you had dumb accounts and all that. So there was a time my family and I wanted to go to Dubai. It was our very first trip to Dubai. So I asked somebody, because I'd never been there before. I didn't want all the hassle of, um, of, you know, working out hotel and this. So I was told that there are these specialists that will sort everything out for you. And, you know, organizing holidays is not my strong suit. It's a good thing Anita is not here. I could, you know. It's not my strong point. So I thought, okay. So someone gave me this number. I called up this lady and I said, uh, what can you offer? She said, yeah, we'll offer everything for you. You know, the whole package, the air, the F, the flight, the hotel, the um, activities. So I said, great. So I said, how much? She said, she, she gave me a figure. I thought, oh, that's a little bit high. So um, I said, okay, give me a minute. I said, just give me a minute. So when she got off the phone, I went online. How much is it for a flight? Got this, okay. She mentioned the hotel. I checked the hotel. How much is the rate? Okay. Um, activities. Okay. So I added it up. 
Why is this woman charging me three times the amount? So now she thought, and maybe, you know, she thought that maybe I wouldn't have the means to pay for the hotel because, you know, domiciliary accounts had just come out. Meanwhile, I had money in my dumb account. So it was a very easy transaction for me to make. Yeah? So basically, her business was based on me not knowing how to access the same information. Meanwhile, the internet has made it so easy. Are you with me? If your business model is, you know what, I am going to go to China and I'm going to find a product that is not in Nigeria and I'll just have the exclusive right for the whole country. You know, the Chinese are getting smarter than that. And people have access to the same information you have access to. I was listening to the finance minister, um, um, you know, she was doing a, a presentation uh, and this video has been going around about, you know, the fact that this administration is not, um, is not ignorant of what is going on. And she mentioned that the problem of our country, or one of the problems we've had, has been our over-reliance on oil. Yeah, and we all know that. And why has that been a problem? Well, because we just take the thing out of the ground and ship it out. We are not adding any value. Are you with me? We're just taking it out and shipping it out. No value. There is no real value exchange. So when the price of oil went down, it totally affected us. We are not making any refined products. Uh, a lot of our refineries are operating at, at minimum capacity or not functioning at all. We are not adding value. Everyone say we are not adding value. So that means that the money flow will be limited. It will be limited. The more value we bring to the table, the higher the amount of money. It's not about negotiating for a higher pay. If you increase your level of value, the money will chase you down. Hallelujah. It will chase you down. God has given you a seed that you must appraise correctly. Value times leverage equals wealth. It is an investment paradigm. Invest your time in bringing your value to a much higher place where the exchange that, that it calls is a higher exchange. That is number one. The second thing I will mention about this, value times leverage equals wealth, is the fact that the cash flow you generate is not your wealth. Hallelujah. The cash flow you generate is not your what? Why is that? Because cash comes and what? Goes. You know, you and I are going to have a lot of money go through our hands in our lifetime. A lot. In fact, if you calculate how much you have earned since you have been employed, you may get depressed. So maybe you should not calculate it. A lot of us will have a lot of money going through our hands in our lifetime. But you see, you can generate great cash flow, or you can have great cash flow, but then generate little wealth. Hallelujah. You can have great what? Cash flow and generate little what? Little wealth. So yes, it is important that you generate as great cash flow as you can by bringing the greatest value that you can give into your, your place of calling. That's your responsibility. But then your second responsibility is to understand that just because you generate cash, it doesn't matter how much you generate, doesn't mean that you're going to create great wealth. What determines whether it becomes great wealth or not is what you do with that cash that comes in. 
You know, Robert Kiyosaki, in his book, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, you know, g- gave a very interesting illustration. He said, you know, there are three kinds of people. They are the poor, the middle class, and the wealthy. Now, if you're a poor person, you are basically living from hand to mouth, all right? There's nothing, uh, it's always important to know where you are. Self-analysis. You are basically living from what? Hand to mouth. So you get paid, you eat, and the money disappears. Nobody will lend you money. Why? Because you're a poor person. You are not a good investment risk. Okay? Now we can do something about that. But then we've got the middle class. The middle class are the professional people who have a fairly decent income. Now the challenge with the middle class is that the middle class have the means to borrow. You are considered a good credit risk. Okay? So the middle class, they're professionals. And because they're professional now, you know, they need to live in a good house. And you know, good houses are expensive. So we rent a good house. Your kids, are you able to have a mortgage? Okay? Which is currently at, um, what is the percentage? 19, 20 something percent. Okay? You can have credit cards. If you walk into, a, into a, um, a car dealership, they will give you a car loan. At what percentage? About that 20 something. Okay? So as a middle class person, typically... You generate a lot of cash, but you actually owe more money than you generate. Yeah? So what actually happens is, you know, you are driving your car that is on loan um, into a house that is mortgaged with kids that go to private school that you are borrowing money to finance, preparing to go for a vacation which is put on your card. So you are actually... You have put yourself in a box where you are more limited than even the poor person. But yes, we're we're middle class. Then he said, you've got the wealthy. Now the wealthy and the real wealthy are those who generate enough cash flow from their investments that exceed their expenses. You are not wealthy until your cash, your cash flow from your investments exceeds your what? Expenses. So what I'm saying is as you build yourself to a place of greater value where you generate more cash flow, what determines whether you're going to be wealthy or not is now how you handle that cash. If you structure your budget such that all the cash that you're now generating is taken up by your expenses, you are never going to be wealthy. But as you get that pay rise, as you receive that qualification, as you get that contract, as you get that deal that has been attracted by your place of value, you need to make sure that you do not increase your expenses so that the extra cash can be put into a space where it is invested for you. And over time, the cash flow from your investments will be such that it will create greater flexibility for you in your life. Amen. It says wealth equals value times leverage. You know, there are more, there are people who are on low incomes 
are wealthier than people who drive some of the jeeps you see. I've, I've met people who own three Marowas and two Okadas. Okay? They are doing, they are drivers, and they own three Marowas and two Okadas. A Marowa is about maybe 350,000, 400,000. Uh, 550 now. Okay. They own three Marowas and two Okadas, and then they are driving you. Okay? Now, it may surprise you that they are constantly on their phones because they are managing their, their investments. You just look at the driver. That This guy's swag is a bit too much for a driver. He owns three and then two. Do you understand? Meanwhile, he's driving you. He's staying in your BQ. You know, free accommodation. You know, free transport. And he's building his wealth. Yeah? Let us not be deceived. Just because you have cash flow does not mean you are building wealth. There are, there are people who, irrespective of the cash flow they have, in fact, you know, it is said, this is applicable particularly in the States. This is what I've heard. That, you know, doctors, there's a status that comes with being a doctor. Just like a status that comes with being an MD or a, you know, AGM now. Because once you become AGM, ah, I must move to Lekki now, in fact. Yes. I must move to Lekki. In fact, how would they know I'm an AGM if I am not uh, in Lekki? So in the States, for instance, doctors, they, there is such a status that comes with being a doctor. And yet doctors are one of the, they are the, one of the most likely to go bankrupt. They make a lot of money, but by being a doctor, there are certain places you must live. There are certain schools your children must go to. There are certain cars that you must be driving. Hallelujah. After all, I'm a doctor. Irrespect, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs 12, 9, it says, and this is the NIP version, NIV version, and it says it is better to be a nobody and have a servant than to think you are somebody and have no food. Hallelujah. It is better for people not to consider you, you know, when you go into the party, you, you don't measure up because your, your, your lace is not quite as, uh, your gold is not quite up to the standard of the new one. Hallelujah. But, but the Bible says that it is better for them to consider you a nobody and yet you are growing your wealth than to think you are somebody and you have no food. Wisdom is profitable. Everyone say wisdom is profitable. Yeah, wisdom is profitable to direct us. Hallelujah. So two things I have focused on today. The first being understanding that the kingdom operates an investment economy. We've got to be thinking investment because everything that you have been given uh, at your disposal is to be invested. The first is your time. Hallelujah. Invest your time. You'll be amazed at how much you can achieve when you invest your time. We're going to talk more about this. And then the second is understanding about cash flows being determined by a value flow. So make sure that the thing that you have been given, that you have properly appraised, you pitch it at the level where it can operate, it can deliver the greatest value. Hallelujah. The greatest value. It needs to be a space where it is not easy to be. If you are, if you are in a place 
that everybody can be, then um, you are not in the place of your destiny. Isaiah 8, 18 says, I and the children that the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders in Israel. Hallelujah. We are for signs and wonders. Hallelujah. The E of advance says that we are, we are extraordinary, high flyers, reframing the world in which we live. Hallelujah. That, that is what God has invested in you. Value it properly. Educate it properly. Invest in it properly. Hallelujah. And then the, the extra cash flows that come as a result of it. Make sure that from day one you are operating in the investment segment. Because part of the time has to be invested in your investments. Hallelujah. And then the last thing I will say, I will introduce is that you know that place of value that God has called you to. Like I said last week, it is the place where you will naturally create your wealth. You know, last week I asked you to fold your arms and you noticed that some people will fold their arms naturally, left arm over right arm, some will do right arm over left arm. And if you try to do it a different way, it will be uncomfortable. Now that ought to let us know that at a fundamental level, we're all very different. Hallelujah. We're all what? Very different. And if you, if you take that same analogy and apply it across the board then it means that there is a natural way that you create wealth. There's a natural way that you create wealth. And that if what you are doing feels like hard work, you are already doing the wrong thing. If I tell you to fold your arms, and you want to try to be like the person next to you, and you try to fold it the way they fold their arms, it would not be natural, would it not? Would, 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 it, would it be natural? It wouldn't be natural. And in like manner, this value that you have been given, there is a natural way you create wealth. Hallelujah. You know, when I was younger, and I'll end in a minute, we'll continue this next week. When I was younger, you know, I used to read a lot of autobiographies. How many of you have ever read autobiographies? You should read autobiographies, yeah? But you know, I read autobiographies and I got confused. Because for instance, you know, I used to, I really liked um, basketball when Michael, Michael Jordan was playing. So I read Michael Jordan's autobiography. And at the time, Lee Iacocca, the MD of, or the CEO of Chrysler at the time, was one of the top guys. So I read his autobiography. And then you read autobiography, you know, there are, there are so many, because you want to you follow those who have done well. Is that not correct? But then, I noticed something. That somebody like um, Warren Buffett, for instance, a value investor. Warren Buffett who said that, you know, his own strategy is, to analyze, to do the fundamentals of a company, analyze the company, and then invest. And they'll ask, you know, how, how long would you invest for? He said, well, ideally for life. I never sell. Really? I said, okay. Good idea. And then you go and read a, a book by George Soros. George Soros who says it's about timing. I, I don't hold. No, no, no. It's about timing. All right? And then you, you go and read um, Richard Branson. Richard Branson says... Is that gut feeling I have? Ah, okay, gut feeling, hold forever, timing. You, you see there, and that's why we're titling this mini-series, What Game Are You Playing? To analyze the value you have been given. Yes, know your place of value, but there is, there is a natural way you play your game. Hallelujah. And we need to learn that. We need to learn that. Otherwise, if you are just following someone, yes, follow people 
The Bible says we follow those who through faith and patience have inherited the promises, but follow people who have the same game as you do. Does that make sense? Yeah? I mean, I, for instance, will not be my, my, my personality type. It's not one, I mean, you won't see my picture on a lot of things. Now, there's nothing wrong with people having their photos. It doesn't mean I'm less humble than the guy next door. But I am not somebody who, you know, I'm, you know, I'm everywhere. It is not my, in fact, advertising is not my strong suit. I need to work with people who are great advertisers because I don't advertise myself. Uh, does that make sense? Now, some people are adept at it, but I am not, and I will never be because it, it, is, it feels like hard work for me. So it is important that you understand. So when the Bible says make a careful exploration of who you are, there are so many different levels to it. What is my place of value? What is my, my wealth game? And we're going to be talking about that in the final session next week. Yeah? So that that way we are in our flow, as it were. Hallelujah. We're in our flow. You must be in your flow in this time. Amen. Because that is the place that you can, you can, uh, you can offer the greatest value. And with wisdom, you can leverage it effectively. And in this time, people will celebrate you. Hallelujah. People will celebrate you. They will celebrate the fact that you are here. Because when we demonstrate our value, people are always set free. The Bible says that when this little seed is planted, it becomes a great tree. And birds will come under the shadow of our tree. People will come under your shadow in the name of the Lord as you discover who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let us pray. Father, we're so thankful um, for the word. We're thankful, Lord God, because the entrance of your word gives light and it brings understanding to the simple. Oh, thank you, oh God. We submit to your counsel. We submit to your direction. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we give you thanks. Uh, Lord, Lord I, I thank you, oh God, because the time is not over for us. Hallelujah. The time is not over for us. Uh, the Bible says that there is hope for a tree. Even when its root is dried up in the ground, at the scent of water will bud. I, I don't know if you're here today and you're saying, you know, you don't understand. Uh, my root is dried in the ground. I say to you, I prophesy to you by the Holy Spirit that water is coming. You are, you are sensing water even right now. At the scent of water... The Bible says you will bud. You will flourish yet in this time in the name of Jesus. I only submit to the wisdom of God. Submit to the wisdom and start making those adjustments. The Bible says that it is the corrections of discipline that put us on the way of life. Hallelujah. Begin to make those adjustments. It is not too late for you to change direction. That is what repentance is. Repentance is when we change direction because we have received new information. Hallelujah. And God will, re, will meet your repentance with grace in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we give you thanks. We give you thanks, Lord. We give you thanks, Lord. We give you thanks, Lord, because you are directing us with wisdom in the name of Jesus.